What's up, Black Love fam and first time fam? We're getting ready to go man to man here on the Black Love Podcast Network. I'm David Wazicki, General Manager of Black Love, and I know you're going to love who I'm talking to today. But first, I have to give a shout out to Target. They've been partnering with HBCUs to support the next generation of Black talent. And one of the ways they're teaming up with HBCUs is through Target's HBCU Design Challenge, where HBCU students submit designs to be included in their Black History Month collection. And you know their Black History Month collection is fire. You see it everywhere, all month long in February. You can't miss it. All the designs are dope. So I'm really looking forward to that HBCU flavor that they're going to add into the mix. Winners of the design challenge get access to networking opportunities, mentoring, and more. So we got to support this. It's truly an outstanding opportunity for up and coming Black talent. So please make sure you check back during Black History Month to see the latest winners at your local Target. I know I'm going to check mine out. Shout out Target T1307 right here in LA. You know, I'm going to be there Feb 1 checking it out and see what's going to be featured in their 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy invest in the future together we are black beyond measure visit target.com slash black beyond measure to learn more all right today i am very fortunate to have the chance of someone who's been in the music industry for over three decades he's a titan in the industry He's been an established music executive, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and now author. He's one of the most successful record execs in the music industry, and I verified it, so it's all facts. And he's been pivotal in the sound and culture of music today. It is the one and only Benny Pugh. Benny, what's up, my brother? What's happening? How are you, David? I think what's quite amazing about your intro is that, you know, forget the blue check. I got a man-to-man background check. Oh, there you <laughs> I go. I don't know what there color that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> verified by man-to-man. That's yeah. that's amazing. Thank you. Appreciate it. The interview's over, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And, <laughs> and you, this gave, point. <laughs> you gave me a new idea. I'm going to have to get that man-to-man verified. <laughs> Maybe red check. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a red check. Yeah. <laughs> So before we jump into all the things, because I there's so much to unpack here, and I love your background, and I, I'm always intrigued by folks who don't follow this linear path, especially to the level of success you've seen. But because it is man-to-man, because we talk from a wellness perspective, which you're speaking to more and more these days, one word I always like to kick this conversation off with is understanding what does the word masculinity mean to you? That's amazing. Um, and there's no wrong answer. Oh, there can't be, right? It's my yeah. answer. In, it's your answer. The end of, right. So masculinity growing up was definitely defined by presence, strength, hardness. You know, yeah. watching my father, my grandfathers, my uncles, these were men that never showed emotion from losing kin to parents, siblings, um, still have never seen my father cry in any circumstances given. So wow. at that stage, um, as a youth, the only thing I saw was just unrelenting hardness. As I've grown and realized what it really takes 
to be a man, which is part of masculine, I appreciate the fact that um, vulnerability comes in that as well. So part of me growing in my strength is also letting people know how I feel, how I've grown, my weaknesses. And that's what makes me stronger. In turn, helps others to understand how to grow as well. So that's how I would define it. I love that. You know, and I'll say no no two answers have ever been the same. And yeah. I, I love them all. And this one, I mean, it, it resonates. Especially, so I was born and raised in New York City. I know yourself, you went to St. John's. You currently live in the tri-state area in Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Where did you grow up <laughs> seeing all of this uh, different, or I'd say just older version of masculinity? So my life is, I'm born and raised in White Plains, New York. Actually, Valhalla, maybe it didn't come up in most people's background search, but no, it now didn't. that I put it out there, <laughs> yeah, now that I put it out there, right? yeah. uh, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a small town outside of White Plains, three miles away, um, okay. which White Plains is the suburbs of Manhattan. Right. But right. what what defined me and, and helped create my core was we spent every summer in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Uh, my parents would um, send us down. And it was really interesting that at the end of the school year, when school was over, whether school ended on a Monday, we left that Friday to go down south. If school <laughs> ended on a Friday, we drove that night to wow. go down south because that gave my parents the opportunity to double up on work and, you know, create extra income for themselves and give us, you know, a diverse uh, perspective of, of the world and life other than just being in the city. So I'm, I'm not only just, I look at myself as I'm a city Southern kind of person. So <laughs> I relate in both worlds and, yeah, and growing yeah. up in the South or spending as much time as I've in the South, there are things that are very similar and things that are very juxtaposed for African-Americans and, and our exposure and how we process and, and adapt and, and, and move forward in this journey that we have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thanks for sharing that. So, you know, from that, I do want to dig into how that transitioned essentially into the career that we know you as and know you for. But there's one little tidbit I came across, so I want to understand how that upbringing brought you into this. So even before the music thing, you wanted to go into comedy? Absolutely, man. Huh. And it's, it's- Talk to yeah. me. <laughs> so, so music was secondary. Um, comedy was primary. And my toe in as an adult getting into the arts. Uh, when I was uh. in school, probably like most kids, played instruments- sucked at that. Um, you know, I did tap. I'm one of the very few, you know, people that I know of uh, did tap in, in in elementary, which was, it was fun, but it was different. And that yeah. wasn't perceived as masculine. No, right? I don't think it would have been. <laughs> at all. But, but it was, but it was very rewarding and it was different and unique. So I was never afraid of of, of pushing myself to things I enjoyed, regardless how people feel or their perception or view of of what I'm doing, it's more important for me to feel accomplished in what I want to expose myself to in, um, in this life. But while yeah. I was at St. John's, it was one of multiple jobs that I had. I had four jobs wow. doing college, and one of them was doing stand-up, where 
you know, we made a whopping $25 after, <laughs> after each performance. So needless to say, you know, when people decide to become artists, it is something you have to commit to because pursuing your dream, the dream has to be forward because money, unless you are overnight sensation, one hit wonder, doesn't come that fast. So the passion and the love has to be a, a part of the quest. But while I was um, in St. John's, you know, I toured the tri-state and and doing shows, and and that in essence prepared me and opened me for the door when asked to do a show with the seller on 96 in Amsterdam in New York by the uh, regional director it. of promotion for Motown Records. That's yes. when this whole thing started. <laughs> wow, amazing! So it was random, but it was purpose. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, you know, sometimes there's, uh, you know, some people call it synchronicities, some people, mm -hmm. you know, call it divine timing, but mm -hmm. yeah, I'm clearly starting comedy to be at that, uh, be at the comedy cellar on Amsterdam in 96, got you into this uh, direction here into music. And then from there, I mean, you basically, it, it's what it sounds like is you started from intern to exec like that, you know, that, that tried and true old tale of, um, you know, starting, starting from the bottom. Now we're here <laughs> type, type. <of> scenario. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and now I, I just, I want to give some people, you know, some background on, onto what mm -hmm. you really touch. So they really understand the breadth of, of what you've done. So you start mm -hmm. at Motown, you go to Arista, MCA. And by the way, I mean, if you don't know, if you don't like music, well, that's a, that's another conversation for another time. Arista, MCA, Def Jam, Epic, Rock Nation. From all of that, you can only imagine the type of artists you've touched. And again, for me, you know, man to man, verifying you, especially Rihanna, Jay Z, Kanye West, etc. And um, your last stint in in um, working for other labels was at Rock Nation, where I, th I think, is this number right? You dropped, you helped release 18 albums in one year? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. 18 wow. um, ind independent and major releases for an independent label. We were super excited about that. Um, and just to roll back a little bit. Sure, sure. I uh, started my career at Motown Records, as, as, as you stated, as an intern, which... I had no idea upon graduation because from where we're from, the next step, no one really tells you about it. It's like, you know, you go to high school to get a job or go to the service or, you yeah. know, go to college. But ultimately, there's no blueprint post that, right? You just expect it to achieve whatever's for you. Right, right. Um, so when the opportunity came at the end of the show, when um, uh, I was being paid, to be an intern, I had no idea what an internship was. So I did what most people probably would do was say, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so I went, went down to Motown dressed uh, in my three-piece suit and anti-shade case and wingtips because prior, you know, one of the other jobs that I always partaked in was, you know, I was a salesman by nature and also by craft and profession. So sure, you know, I sure. worked for Citibank. Uh, you know, I sold cutlery door to door. I did all of the things to tighten and hone my skills wow. as a salesperson, which made comedy, you know, a second um, uh, instant for me to exactly jump into. But once I got to Motown, uh, I realized when I showed up that people looked at me like I was the FBI or, 
you know, some kind <laughs> of like door to, door to door salesman, no pun intended, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because <laughs> you have to think of what music, the music business is, is probably the modern day tech-esque attitude, right? It's, right. you know, it's very creative. It's very yeah. loose. Yeah. Um, and here I come in, you know, <laughs> you know, looking, I don't know, bananas. Um, so <laughs> just just very anti-music just just <laughs> radical the bet yo like the god is coming to shut the label down yeah yeah, yeah. Right? literally <laughs> and figuratively but but i learned um in that time period which was very valuable for me the education one the experience of starting my career at uh let's say a 95 percent african-american business which mm-hmm. motown was mm-hmm. um and that gave me a different experience of of working with my own in something that was very new. Doesn't mean that you can't have valuable experiences working with different genders or religions or however. But for me, I'd never been in a soul business um, that was so predominantly African American. It was a great experience because it was more than just a job; it was family, and um, you know, everyone was about you know. Each one, teach one, raise one up, and and once I got the opportunity inside, the uh, young lady who who brought me in uh, had me processing her traveling expenses. Had no idea what that was either. Sure, and sure. What she had me do was correlate between the expenditures and you know the the receivables and all of that, and put it together and put this report, and then a check would come back. And after doing this for a couple of weeks. Um, not knowing actually what teeny was, I said to her very sheepishly, you know what? I don't feel comfortable looking at your paycheck hmm. coming in weekly. And she said, what are you talking about, baby? I said, <laughs> you know, the check that I'm with these expenses and things, I just don't feel comfortable knowing what you make. She said, yeah. oh, you're so cute. <laughs> no, no. What this is, the company pays for my expenses. It's like, well, she's like, yeah, you know, my flights, my hotel, my car note, my insurance, my gas, um, you know, those dinners we go out with with clients and, you know, the drinking that you're doing, they pay for all of that. And that's (laughs) when the light bulb went off and I said, you know what? I want to do that. (laughs) And, And that's how I got in. Um, emotionally into the business and fell in love with the business of music because mm-hmm. that prompted me to learn much more about this untraditional product that sure. um, was being exposed and obviously touching artists and having the ability to change lives instantaneously and expose them to the marketplace and make somebody one day who's relatively a nobody in popularity perspective to sure, becoming sure. somebody opened my eyes up to a whole different way of of appreciating the arts and the business of music. Amazing. And and so going through this process, going through these mm-hmm. decades, I mean, again, you have had these A-list rosters of talent mm-hmm. and you're putting out these hits. I mean, what was the pressure like for you at some point as as your star was rising, as you were working with these bigger and bigger artists, what was the pressure like for you? Was there any pressure? Had it like emotionally and mentally, how how are you uh, um, managing 
managing this as you're growing, as you're expanding and your and your talent roster is as well? So label to label, opportunity to opportunity has its own different subset of expectation and experience and pressure. Hmm. Uh, for me, navigating through all of it is always being present in the work, right? It wasn't about the applause and the ceremonies of success as it was for me to actually make sure that the T's and the I's were always crossed. And that was most important, you know, let, let other people celebrate, make sure you do the work and then you'll always be celebrating was my concept. <laughs> and, and ideally in doing so was about strategy, planning and teamwork. Um, obviously in, in any business, you know, we looked at the music business and obviously the departments that I've, I've ran is, you know, it was always team ball. It wasn't about no one person can make an artist successful. Even the artist just can't make himself, he or she successful without a team. Like, sure. So not having valuable players and um, having people that can, you know, um, score under pressure will minimize the opportunity for success. So what I learned early on was really, we've heard this over and over again, you know, it's not, there's, there's no, um, there's no I in team. And that's, you know, it's, it's, it's a true statement. And ultimately what I owe any success that people may perceive me to have is that I've been able to establish and put together some of the best teams, recognize some really incredible talent, put it all together in the stars and the moon align and we've had success. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, easier said than done. I've uh, <laughs> too been in that situation. I've been fortunate, but uh, <laughs> but your, 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 your track record precedes itself. All right. Before I get into this next question, I've got to mention something. Target is partnering with HBCUs to support the next generation of Black talent. One of the ways they're teaming up with HBCUs is through their HBCU Design Challenge, where HBCU students submit designs to be included in Target's Black History Month collection. I think that's pretty dope. I think the Black History Month collections are pretty dope. Not only are they on full display every single year, but you know HBCU students are going to bring it. So I'm excited to see what's coming out in 2022. So fam, check back during Black History Month to see the latest winner's designs that will be featured in Target's 2022 Black History Month collection. Celebrate your legacy. Invest in the future. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Visit Target.com slash Black Beyond Measure to learn more. Okay, let's get back into it. So we get through all of this success. We, you know... Mm -hmm at the top of your game. And I think you may know where I'm about to lead next. In 2014, so I guess seven or so years ago, an, an event happens that, mm -hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm sure for anybody changes their life. Um, for you, uh, apparently for the better, but I want to hear it firsthand. You get into this car accident and it sounded like a very, very serious one. One, I mean, what happens when something, when you experience something like that, where again, back, back to mental, um, mental health and, and just your mental state, how are you feeling, you know, during this period of time, you've 
you know, you get all these accolades and for you, you've already said it's, it's not about, you know, I don't, I don't need the shiny trophies and, and, and awards and all of that. You, you know, where the true success lies as a side note, which is a beautiful thing to experience and know early on in your life. Whereas a lot of people realize that a lot later, but back to this scenario. So this tragedy strikes, how are you feeling? What, what's, what's going through your head? So August 31st, 2014, I had a near-death car accident. And just to roll back the tape somewhat to get you in the total reference of the question that you asked. Sure. I'm at a point in in my career, I'm at Epic Records, um, going on maybe four years at the job. Hmm. And we're in we're in a, in a magnificent stride. We futures on fire, brought hmm. him in. Yo Gotti is is starting to turn up from his independent days, and now he's a major label success. Signed Cash Out. Cash Out is doing <laughs> the cashing out, riding around with Dagina, yeah. and you know, DJ Khaled <laughs> yeah. is getting into play. Warman, Travis Scott, all of this yeah. is starting to happen, right? <laughs> yeah. And at yeah. the end, before that, nearly a month prior, we signed Bobby Schmurder and. You know, all of that is is starting to happen. Wow. Um, so, you know, from a professional standpoint, it's the rebirth of, you know, another peak. In, I was just going to say, yeah. Life on on the extension aspect of of what what has happened in the past is now in the future and current at that sure. at that state. Sure. A friend of mine calls me for um, a barbecue and asks me if I would come. I said, yes. You know, you grab the phone sometimes and it's it's a fast call and you look at it. And yeah, uh, I was somewhere probably between, you know, reflecting now would have probably been a soft no or <laughs> a soft maybe or a hard no okay. had, had I known at, at that point. Because once I commit or I give my word or I say I'm going to do something, then it doesn't matter. Even if I ultimately lose, because I never want to break my word to anyone or any anything um, for a decision that I committed to. So needless to say, fast forward, we um, get to um, his house, my wife and I and uh, my daughter, and and we're, we're sitting having a conversation and he and I, we peel off and we go to um, sit on the deck and have dialogue about some things that are happening in his life things that are happening in my life. And uh, there's this whole misty rain that's taking place process. And needless to say, um, it was a heavy moment that we were sharing. So whether he said or I said, no, he had just purchased a new 550 Benz. You know, let's take a ride. Let's alleviate this, hmm. this, this moment. So we hmm. jump in the car, backside of the driveway, the ladies and the kids come out. We drive down the driveway, open the gate, and um, he turns right on a two-lane roadway. And as he turns, I grab my phone and I hear a thump, bam, the car jets off. So now I look at the odometer because I'm saying to myself, wait a minute, we're not kids anymore. Yeah. Why are you showboating? Yeah. So I turn my head counterclockwise and look at the odometer. And the odometer is moving at about 75 miles an hour. Wow. I turn my full head. And his foot is on the accelerator and he's out. So from where we started to impact 
is a half a mile and the car was being driven without a driver in excess of 75 miles an hour. So needless to say, I've done what I've always been trained and disciplined to do for my mother from a young age is speak to God. Sure. And the sure. first thing I say is, you know, Lord, who's going to take care of, you know, my family? Because I'd seen mm. my sister, I've seen my father, my mother, you know, my wife and my daughter literally just left them. Who's going to yeah. take care of them? Then the second thing it comes in, death does happen in slow motion. I start speaking to God and I said, Lord, I guess I'm going to see you soon because at this point, I'm accepting, you know, my mortality at this point. Like, it's the end is near. Yeah. And the third thing, I get angry with God. Now, who am I to be angry with God? But I'm angry because had I known I was going to die today, I wouldn't have went to the barbecue, right? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, ultimately, right? Yeah. Like, I yo, forget my word. I, I can't right. make it. Yeah. You know, it's either go back on my word or die today, right? Yeah. There's an yeah. easy choice to make, right? Uh, yeah. Ah, live, right? Um, so. <laughs> the car starts to um, um, veer off the road. We start hitting trees and bushes. You know, and as this is happening, I'm thinking about, you know, who's going to marry my daughters? Who's going to pour wisdom into my son? Who's going wow. to take care of my mom um, who has Alzheimer's, right? Who's going to be there for the moments, birthdays and celebrations in my place that I will no longer be there for? And we hit something in the road that sent us off path in directly into an oak and we wow. hit this tree at high speeds and I uh, sustained, you know, a level three concussion, L304 vertebrae fracture, bulging disc in my back, bled half the blood out of my body, mm. lacerated liver. And uh, we hit the tree so hard that it severed two feet of my small intestine. Wow. But what's most important out of all of this was at that very moment, God gave me a book and the book was called is called On Impact. On Impact is is literally, literally and figuratively how my life has changed. <laughs> um, and it takes you Impact is an acronym. It stands for intuition, mastery, pivot, authenticity, uh, connections, and teamwork. And it takes the reader through my life at eleven years old to this point, right? Being on man to man and and gives the reader. <laughs> An understanding of if Benny can do it, I can do it too. And at the end of each chapter, there's a hit list of things that you can apply to your life on a daily perspective um, that'll help you move forward through this journey of life. So first, I'm going to take a breather because <laughs> one, I mean, I I feel like I just view this. You uh, One, thank you for sharing it right. because it's sensitive in nature. I never like to pry. In, into you know somebody's uh, personal experiences. So one, I appreciate you being very vulnerable and sharing that story as vividly as you did. And that's why I, I felt like I've, I've just been viewing this before my eyes or my mind's eyes. Obviously, that was the impetus for the book, which you authored recently and coming soon? 2022. 2022, okay. But you can pre-order it now on my website, BennyPew.com. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, we, we'll, we'll make sure to have that in the show notes and I'll, I'll run it back one more time. But 
I mean, you experience this, you experience near death and you go through all of the things you just mentioned. I mean, I'm sure your level of gratitude from that point on has been through the roof, number one. Um, and it's changed I, my I, life. Yeah, yeah. It's changed my life from, so, so I look at my life is pre-accident and post. You know, pre-accident, Benny was busy, Benny was grinding, Benny was about, you know, the celebration and, you know, making sure people were happy and every other aspect. Um, Post-Benny is 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 very specific on making sure that, you know, my, my spirituality is being nurtured at all times, never mm. harboring any ill will to the best of my ability and always making sure that I can give as much as I can. And what's been important for me in this process of my life is making sure that um, people get, you know, um, an opportunity for whatever I've learned to to pass that on. And maybe I wasn't sharing as much in the past as I am now, but that is a commitment for me to all I come in contact. I love that. Um, and definitely appreciate it. Um, again, I, I think... You know, it's unfortunate sometimes we, you know, we experience these things for certain realizations, but I also, whether this tragic in nature or not, I, I think it, it also leads us to something bigger that that goes beyond it and that's on the other mm -hmm. side of it. And to mm -hmm. your point, you just mentioned you now see your life in two parts and in two phases. And, you know, I truly believe yeah, now, now you have now there's this greater calling essentially, if you will, that um that you're being led to or or called into and it begins with this uh memoir that comes out next year and I feel like it probably uh traverses into what you're doing at Diverse Media. Are you able to uh speak about Diverse Media a little bit? Absolutely. Diverse Media is a full-fledged label as well as distribution company for artists who want an opportunity to maintain their masters and um, put their music out, being in total control of their music, their content, and their vision. Mm -hmm. So what I've done is put together um, an as a vehicle for artists that I signed directly to me, um, which is the traditional model of record company, as right. well as uh, artists that who want to maintain all of their rights but need services. You know, it's difficult when you get in the music game and you have no idea or direction on how to, some artists don't even know how to get into a studio. Some sure. artists don't know how to, you know, promote themselves. Some artists don't know how to get on radio. Some artists don't know how to get a publicist. And, and in essence with that, I can now go into my Rolodex and be able to help people along the way. And, in this process. And that's what Diverse does is give everyone an opportunity who um, are interested in following their dreams um, to be a part of that. And do you feel, do you feel like you would, would have still started your own company in music in this way? Had it not been for the accident, do you think you still would have been at rock nation or another big label today? Had it not been for that? Absolutely not. And that was the purpose of the accident for mm. me was yeah. to change my life. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it set me on a whole new path, a whole new direction, a whole new course. Um, and 
unfortunately, there might have been signals along the way that God had gave me. I was running through stop signs and just cruising and never saw him. So he said, <laughs> sure, OK, sure. oh, oh you don't right. see the big red sign, right? <laughs> you don't see yeah. it? Oh, you don't want to stop, right? I got something for you. Yeah. This big yeah. ass oak tree gonna get your attention, right? Yeah. And take that's that. exactly what happened. Yo, take take that, right? Take, take that. Take that. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Man. It's, it's, I mean, it's wild. I look and, and now with the book, so now diverse media, I know I, I pronounce it as diverse, but I know it's a play on words, diverse mm-hmm. media. Um, That's right. You, you have the, you have the book and, and beyond that, are you now, are there other things you're doing now? Are you, are you public speaking now? Are you speaking to this incident? Are you speaking to the happenings of, Life Part Two, Phase Two for Benny Pugh as a result? Absolutely. So I do mentoring. I have, uh, you know, a, a, a very active mentee organization, people that, um, you know, I give one on one conversations and um, uh, dialogue with and to. Also doing some speaking, which, which I look to over the next months and years to do a lot more of. So I'm super excited about that. And, um, you know, I'm just creating, you know, my mantra and getting prepared for this book to come because I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be an amazing, uh, addition for me in finding and moving myself forward. So spending a lot of time, finally finished, you know, the manuscript to the level of where I wanted to be. I never knew dealing with artists before, right? how difficult it is to release a song, like finish a song or, you know, I'm sore with a writer, finish a book. But yeah. when you were done, you know, there's no pulling it back once it goes public. So that's why people <laughs> stay with it so yeah. long to yeah. the level that they see that's necessary to always represent them. So um, I'm very excited about the book coming out and um, put a lot of work into it and looking at all that's going to come once it's once it's released into the space. So I'm super, super excited. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see it. and I'm excited to see the uh, the fruits of your labor and what's going to come of that because I, I, I think the story is powerful. Um, your story is powerful, excuse me. And I, I just, I look, I feel there's a lot to still unpack, I, I feel like we're just scratching the surface here. One mm-hmm. other aspect of it that I do want to ask you about is: mm-hmm. Has that changed how you approach your days typically? Absolutely. You know, the accident has changed my—I mean, my entire being, my entire life. As I stated earlier, you know, there was the pre and the post, and in the post, you know, it's hard trying to be the best you. It's it's very difficult. It's very it's easy for you know. It's a lot of all these positivity quotes that go out. Everybody is like yo a motivator and life yeah. coaching. And <laughs> right, everybody right. does that now, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's it's a business. You no, know, there's always different level of 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 people in any aspect of business. And I hope you find qualified people to help support you along the way. And especially you know in this wellness space that you're talking about, it's it's equally as advantageous and diligent to put the time in to find people who can really help to you, not help you, not just talk to you. 
Right. Um, so ideally for me, it's been, you know, a very interesting, interesting journey on being at this point. And what would you say in terms of a t- typical day in the life <laughs> of Benny Pugh, are there any routines? Are there any rituals that you do on a daily basis for mind, for body, for soul, for one of them or all three of them in terms of your day-to-day approach? Absolutely. Um, I start my day maybe at 6 a.m. in the morning, anywhere between 6 and 6.30. I do my stretching before I get out of bed because of the back. So I stretch a little bit. It's like, you know, I never realized I had a German Shepherd at one point and, and pet pet owners know like when dogs wake up they like stretch oh yeah yeah that's the first thing they do and they stretch (laughs) all day every day right big stretch yeah i never used to do big stretches (laughs) until i got injured and i realized the value of like you know before you think about moving make sure that you you get everything fluid and open so that's that's been helpful for me in proceeding. So I start my day with a big stretch, right? And, yeah. In bed, and then I get up and um, you know I do my prayer. You know I sit and get the quiet time of of um, understanding and thinking about the day that that's uh, before me and thankful for you know the opportunity to be present. And I know what that's like, you know, being in a coma for four days when time is just void and vacant. Um, when you come out of it, you like. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm thankful for that now. I'm thankful for like when your eyes open that you bit anything could have happened at that point. So right. when you actually wake, you are you are present and you're open to receive and be a part of the day that you're in. Yesterday is past and tomorrow hasn't come. So you you're very, very present in the moment and realizing that this is a small piece for what's next next for me. Um, is is value in how I open and perceive, you know, with my day. And then after that, you know, I go in probably like most people, I get into, um, you know, all blogs and things that I follow to get, you know, caught up on information, you know, books, you know, I may get a chapter or two in on whatever's current that I'm, that I'm reading and just try to stay active with that. I do a lot of podcast listening. So, you know, I make sure that, you know, I get on that. Might tap in before the nine o'clock hour in the local radio station, which for me in New York is, oh, I'm going to make somebody mad, but you know, who I listen to is 105.1, right? <laughs> I think they're just yeah. amazing. Like, you know, they're really, really talented people. So, you know, shout out to them for the most part. And then after that, you know, I have um, the three different companies that um, I have. So I have my day broken out on being able to give time to each of the companies that keep moving them forward between music, my real estate company, and um, and my book. And then I break my fast about noon. So oh, that's wow. my first meal during the day. Okay. Uh, I do intermittent fasting. Um, it's really good for the body. Um, yeah. Keeps you active. Absolutely. You know, keeps you, keep, you know, maintains, you know, that adult thing around your waist, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? You keep yeah. all of that, those little cheap, that's how you yeah. keep, you know, you you. We men got cheat sheets too now. Oh, right? we 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 got the cheat sheets. <laughs> we got it. We got codes. the cheat sheets. Yeah, cheat codes. <laughs> all, all we do that. Yeah, a lot of water. Get, hit all. Yeah. Of it. Yes. Yeah. And um, you know, get back into my work, and I, I probably wrap up my day um, between five and six, and I do my callbacks 
Uh, because what I, I, I choose not to do is during the course of my day is get very intent and in returning emails or returning phone calls because I want to make sure that I'm focused on one of the objectives that I need to accomplish. And people steal your time. Obviously, <laughs> I read emails for things that need an immediate response, not sure. things that are going to require, you know, multiple responses. <laughs> so if you can't give the answer and the answer is enough, then I won't respond. Until after I finish my day or, you know, obviously anybody on your phone whose name doesn't show up, you're not picking that up. So ideally, the people who are calling you, you have a sense or, you know, there is a necessity, depending on who calls during the time that I'm working in order for me to um, to pick up that call. If not, I do everything on doing my callback times and my return email times. And that's it. This is interesting to me. Because I haven't, I know every everybody breaks up time uh, a little bit mm-hmm. differently. But I'm intrigued by. So it sounds like you have this callback period in in your evenings, mm-hmm. where you handle, I guess, the bigger bulk or things that require Correct. multiple. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, clearly it's been a success for you. But um, is this something you've been doing for a long time? For a very long time. It's altered from company to company, but the foundation of it has always been the same. You know, blocking time and staying regimented to yeah. time because ultimately yeah. someone's urgency may not be mine. And I don't need to give you 15 minutes for something that's urgent to you that's, right. you know, immaterial in the grand scheme of what needs to be accomplished. So I have to prioritize you because if not, Getting on the phone with you might take 15 minutes that now I'm not spending 15 minutes on something that needs to be addressed. Right. Doing right. the process. So, and that's how you are able to, to, to manage multiple plan A's, right? And manage <laughs> through the process of life and making sure you're moving everything forward. So there has to be sacrifices. I love that. Um, you know, yeah. Managing your time, but you you have that time for these bigger, I don't know, let, let's call them bigger priorities to tackle or mm-hmm. more Correct. long-winded, long-term priorities to tackle. With all of this stuff, there's, um, you know, real-time activities that come in. But what happens is I judge what's the incoming based on the value. And Mm. so Mm. uh, primary, you know, there are people who stream straight to, you know, priority emails because that's where the priorities are. So if I'm just like everybody else, I'm not a robot, you know, if I do take a look, oh, I never confirmed man to man. That's important in that aspect. Oh, oh, but that's not till three days from now. That's cool. We'll deal with that later. But since it's something coming, that's going in the priority box, but even in the priority box, it might not be dealt with. And if I choose to deal with it, it's going to be later because right now I'm shooting a video with my artist, Paris Gatlin, who's coming out. Um, she's being released this year. So even in the span of everything that I'm dealing with, everything is not a priority. So sure. knowing what the priorities are for the accomplishment, not just in the immediate, right. But, but for the long haul, um, the, the, the day, the week, the month of the year, and making sure you recalibrate the priorities so that they always, the, the true priority of what needs to be accomplished stays in, in top line.
I think these days there's just you you mentioned it earlier. Um, you know, you were kind of alluding to social media and it look, there's just so much information these days. There's so many things that can pull you away from that passion project, that passion pursuit, even your day-to-day where, you know, you you have to prioritize, but with How can you prior- want to be how can you want to how can you plan to be successful if you can dedicate 30 minutes to swiping at any given time? Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> How does that happen? There's nothing else you could do, (laughs) right? And you wonder why, oh, it's the man. The man is holding me back. He won't promote me. No, spend that extra 30 minutes doing something that you need to do. Be better at what you're doing, right? Stay focused, reprioritize, commit, have a plan of action. And, you know, it's, it's happened. I found myself once, Jesus, I was like, what? Like it's trans, it pulls you. Yeah. You swipe it and you just wake up. It's dark. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. The sun what was did just I do all day. Yeah. <laughs> right. This right. is done. Like, how do you lose your life doing that? But, you know, obviously the big tech people who have who have uh, created um all of this, they've nuanced it for those to be trapped and drawn into. And then, you know, as a quote, someone said, 10, 10 10% of the people do 90% of the work. So the mm. people who are doing the work, right, are always going to be on top because right. they're needed. Right. Everybody else is just BSing, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty well, much. No, and that's why I think it's important. And that's why that's why I wasn't going to let it go because right. I feel that this is important. This is important, especially in our day and time. And you see so much of this fluff in social media, on the internet, you see all of this, um, just all of these uh, masks, if you will, and these personas that are being portrayed where a lot of that's not real, let's be honest, or a lot of that dedication Mm -hmm. and a lot of the realization of said dedication and effort is not accounted for. So, you know, everyone, Mm -hmm. everyone reaches and thinks about the overnight success, but even those overnight successes are not overnight successes. Point A no, has to lead to point B and C. Sometimes you can jump a few letters, but there's still there's still this path you have to take. And it's not linear, but it's effort, it's dedication. And it goes back to your um your acronym of impact, which I think is beautiful. And I, I definitely want to dig into that. I know that's in the book. So uh, I might have to get a sneak peek ahead of 2022. I don't know if I can wait that long. But <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I'll be back. You see, I'm going to hold you. I oh, got you. you. No, you're coming back. That's you're a return back. visit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and with that, we'll, we'll leave that as a cliffhanger because I can look. I can talk yep. to you all day. I, I love your background. Mm-hmm. I love your story. I love your energy. Thank you. We're also in New York, Thank you. so you know, I we we got that going. You know how so, we do. So. We're not running <laughs> from that, man. <laughs> All day, every day, baby. The best city in the world. <laughs> Look, New York to the heart, but got love for all. I'm in LA, but New York, baby. <laughs> so. Look, we will do a part two. We're going to do a part two when when your book officially comes out. And again, would love to dig into all the things even more so. But before we go, I just wanted to ask, is there anything else you want to share in the meantime that you have coming up? So I uh, invested during the pandemic, um, co-founder of an app called Candid, K-A-N, 
D I I D. You can find it in the App Store. Okay. And it's it's uh, it's an um, interesting app that allows people to do micropayments and monetize their content. So as opposed to, you know, once again being on social media, you have high um, high quality content you just don't want to share. Things that are important, you know, you may want to charge. And what's the purpose on having a fan base if if people can't um, have an opportunity to be thankful to you by contributing to you. And I think um, what we've done is is an amazing job, a young black entrepreneur who um, put this together, um, which is which is extremely exciting just to see, you know, um, one of us really go through the pains and hardship of, you know, this tech space. And I've learned so much myself, like I was a novice in the aspects on sure. design and you know, dev and all of these yeah, 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 you know, yeah. <laughs> um, things that you hear and talk about. Those buzzwords, to be yeah. The grunt, yeah, the grunt level of of assembling and actually taking um, a pro- a product to market. You know, as I said, we're in the app store, and um, you know, super excited about that. With a lot of you know great things that are coming uh, with that, and the end of the year as well as rolling into twenty twenty. You know, and you know, we're entering into that black tech space. So I'm super, super excited um, about that. So that's probably the only thing that okay. I, I haven't covered. And I'm super excited, man, that we made this work. Like, I'm thankful for you, for your platform and your voice, and and that you're giving people like myself the opportunity to be heard. Because you know, everybody wants a big star. I mean, I'm not a big star. Um, I'm just happy to be somebody who has a story that I feel that could impact you know, others' lives and and be a part of what's left for me in the back nine of my life. You know, what's really important is that you're never too over too old to dream and you're definitely hmm. never too old to win. So, hmm. you know, we all run different races and at the end, you know, your accomplishments is everything that you've done to get to the finish line. So I'm super excited and I'm thankful wow. and grateful. I love it. I love it. And with that, I am going to close. That was a beautiful ending, Benny. And (laughs) we will will pick this up with the part two. Listen, thank you again for making time for this conversation and going man-to-man with me today. You are man-to-man verified. And <laughs> and yeah, Mama, I made it. <laughs> you made it. You made it. That, that's that's the real trophy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> nah, but but for real, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for okay. being open, honest, transparent with us. Uh, more of these conversations are needed. So thank you again. I look forward to the part two with you. For everybody listening, you guys can learn. A little bit more about Benny if we haven't covered it here on his website, BennyPugh.com. It's B-E-N-N-Y-P-O-U-G-H.com. It will also be in the show notes. And make sure to tell another brother, king or queen, about Man to Man so we can keep these conversations going and keep building each other up. Benny, one last time. Thank you, brother. Look forward to the conversation again. And all the Black Love fam listening Till next week, peace, love, and wellness. That's a wrap, my brother.